Welcome to the Discovery Doc Podcast, where we advocate for optimal wellness and reducing everyday toxic loads, no matter where life takes you. I'm Dr. Cece, doctor in nursing practice, self-proclaimed toxin tamer, and a crunchy mama. I'm Anna Kate, a medical mystery overachiever and your discovery liaison. Join us on this exciting journey as we explore the world of holistic health, cutting edge research, and practical solutions for a healthier life. Together, we'll navigate through the complexities of wellness, sharing valuable insights, and expert advice. Tune in to the Discovery Doc Podcast. Get ready to be inspired, empowered, and discover a whole new way of looking at your health. Welcome back to the Discovery Doc Podcast. I'm here with your host, Dr. Cece, functional medicine nurse practitioner, self-reclaimed toxin tamer, and crunchy mama, and our co-host over here. I'm Anna Kate, your medical mystery overachiever and discovery liaison. And we have another wonderful guest. Y'all, I am so excited to talk to her about this conversation. Okay, you please introduce her and then let's get to talking to her. Okay, we have Miss Anne Margolis, who is a nurse midwife and a holistic, I should say, a holistic nurse midwife of over almost 30 years, which is amazing. She is an author, she's an educator, and the owner of Home Sweet Home Birth, which is not just for home births, but hospital births as well. Um, she is just an expert, yes, an expert in all things pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. And we are so excited to have you on here. I just want to give here. you the floor for a little bit. How? Who are you? How did you get to where you are today? Can you let our community know just what home how home sweet home birth was created how, how did you birth home sweet home birth all right so you can it's a long story but i'll try to make it as short as possible but you know you can um interrupt <laughs> me or tell me this you know go cause, all right because it, it, all right so it started as i was a nurse uh after uh, i was a nurse i was an obstetric nurse that is that's where I when I went to nursing school um, and I did obstetrics, I was like, I have to do this. I have to be involved in, in, in mommy's having babies. And um, so I was working as an obstetric nurse for four years. And it, it, during that time, there's a, several things that happened that were critical to my becoming a midwife. Um, one of them was working as a nurse in a typical hospital is where I developed fear of birth. It's where I saw a lot of things that in my head or in my body didn't feel like it should be happening. So I didn't, I started to not trust birth. I started to feel fear birth. Birth was an emergency. It was a potential mm -hmm. lawsuit meant to happen. It was a, a potential emergency, a crisis about to happen. And we had to do all these kind of things because it, you know, um, medically and surgically to, to save the situation. So, so that was how I, I saw way too many interventions. Like people would just walk in to have a baby. They didn't have any problems, but you know, they were already put, put on the monitor, told they can't eat and drink, given IV had to be put in the bed. And, you know, it was like the cascade of interventions. I would just witness and constantly, and I didn't always see good outcomes. Um, and I saw way too many cesarean birth than I ever expected in my University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing uh, training. Um, so um, then it was also, ha ha my hands were tied as a nurse. You know, we, we were just kind of um, doing the orders. We were, we were fulfilling the orders of the doctor. Um, then um, my first two babies, uh, my especially my first baby, and also my second, but my uh, were a, a very traumatic birth trauma. I know is what they call it now, 
but I was given royal treatment. Like I'm the nurse. I'm an, I'm the nurse on the unit having a baby. That's so exciting. You know, um, there was a big heart on my, on my bed and, you know, but, but I, I was really scared. I did take Lamaze, but, but, um, I remember, uh, the doctor, uh, who was, I tried, he was the chief of the, of, of, yeah, he was the best, uh, the doctor. I thought, you know, uh, I mean, he's the best surgeon, but, but, you know, I, the best there. I didn't know there were midwives these days. Um, and I, um, I remember the doctor kept coming in and sticking his hand inside of me, going outside and telling my colleague, the nurse, she's still four. She's still four. And I just remember that happened a lot. And then at some point he said, mm. just give her pit. In walks my colleague. Now I'm a nurse, so I know what pit is, but how many moms don't, don't know what pit is? So I'm a nurse and I'm going to figure that out. Well, Pitocin. That, that is the drug that, that causes the uterus to contract harder, stronger, faster, right? So I said to my, my colleague, I don't want pit. I know what that's going to do, you know? And she's like, oh, but, but she, she was now you have to understand also, I am, I was a dancer. I'm, um, you know, I'm very fit. I'm very athletic. And I was my biggest fear, my biggest tiger, my, it was having my body cut open and a major abdominal surgery. And I, because I had seen too many things that, that bad outcomes enough to give me have like, I was like, <laughs> that was my biggest fear to have um, a cesarean. I was, I started young. I was 24. Um, so um, she said to me in, in her, in her full heart, honey, you don't want a cesarean, do you? Well, no, I don't want a cesarean, you know, so, you know, like, but she meant well, but that was like, yeah. I was feared into it, which is so many moms have that experience. And so, yeah, as soon as they put the, um, uh, Pitocin in and then I could, my Lamaze went out the window and I couldn't cope with the, the more intense, painful contractions. And then I heard the doctor say, give her an epidural. And at some point that they did that. And then my yeah. baby's heart rate crashed. So based on the monitor strip, I saw they had 10 minutes. They had minutes to get the baby out. And then everyone's looking, their worst fear is happening. Everyone's looking very scared. And it becomes this crisis situation. And she's whisked off. I'm whisked off to the, I left my body. So I'm watching myself be whisked off to, to the operating room. And then I'm in this operating room in a hospital where I'm supposed to feel safe. And um, I'm waiting for the assistant surgeon who never showed up. And I watch the clock. It's going 10 minutes, you know, 20, 30, uh, you know, 45 minutes, an hour. I'm in the state of thinking my baby's going to die or be brain damaged. My baby's brain damaged. Now my baby's going to die. My baby's yes. dead. You know, I and I was so... I was gone. And, and somehow the medications took over my body because I don't know what happened, but, um, I started to push and then they're calling. I called for help. There was no one in with me during this time. I called for help. The doctor comes running in and he's, I hear him shouting. And I just remember him saying, you know, grab, grab, grab the vacuum. And he cut this big episiotomy and vacuumed her out. Mm. And, um, I didn't want to see her. Um, they said, and she's crying and they said, your baby's fine. Do you want to see your baby? And I just, I just wasn't there. I, I wasn't able to take that in. 
once I processed that and realized that was birth trauma, I mean, that was a full PTSD disassociated. And then I had the, all the symptoms of PTSD after the, after the birth. But um, number one, if the baby was in distress, my baby would have right. died in that hospital. If, but they misdiagnosed the distress. So she wasn't in distress. She was fine. So I would have had an right. unnecessary cesarean. Just say in a hospital. So that, you know, it was like my eyes went open then. That, that's what made my eyes go open. And I remember, I remember saying to a friend uh, this, this, this situation and why, I, why there's so many things that I'm seeing. Like I just experienced this, but I was a nurse for so many mamas who had experienced this. I can't work in this environment anymore. How can I help the situation? Like, what can I do? She goes, why don't you be a midwife? And I literally said, what's that? So, in like we said, we had no internet. This was in the so 1989 must have been around the. T so I um I went to the library, and I researched midwifery, and I was like, wow, this is what I got to do. And I applied to midwifery school. I was pregnant with my um going into midwifery school, and um I was like, I'm home. And, you know, and it's a whole different paradigm because I went from, you know, and, and, and when I went, I had my baby with a midwife during midwifery school. And I said, you know, I believe in all this intellectually. I get that the studies show that, the, that for healthy women, um, healthy birth, healthy pregnancy, uh, it, um, the outcomes are much greater, safer with midwife, midwife led care. Um, you know, obstetricians are for high risk and they're surgeons and we need them thankfully. But, but when, you know, in the countries that have the best outcomes are the countries in the world, the Western countries where the midwives, yeah. it's midwife led care. So you can, you have a hospital, you can go to a home birth, you can have a birth center, but, but, but midwife led care, led care in even the, 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 the hospitals. Um, and the obstetricians are there for high risk. And when, when, when that's happening, you have the experts who are experts doing what their experts, what, what they have expertise, meaning midwives are, have expertise in normal and healthy, which is the vast majority. And then the obstetricians are surgeons. They have expertise in serious complications and treating right. them medically or surgically. And they work together as a team. And that's where we have the top, like the United States ranks the bottom. We are, we are ranking the poorest in terms of mother baby outcome in terms of like morbidity, which means, you know, any sort of serious complication, like, you know, related to the birth um, or mortality. Our, our mortality, maternal mortality mm -hmm. rates are rising related to childbirth. Um, and so this is the United States where we spend the most and money than any yeah, other nation right. in the world. Right. So, so, right. So, so I believed that women's body, like I go into midwifery school, I'm learning about normal birth. Like our hearts know how to beat and our lungs know how to breathe. If we don't have asthma, we're not, you know, we don't have a lung disease. We don't have a heart disease. We just have to let it do it. And it's working. Same with birth. Our birth, our bodies know how to grow and birth a baby naturally. Like if we just are the best intervention mm. is not to disturb it. Like this is a whole different paradigm than, than what I was learning yeah. as a nurse. So as a, you know, or, or working in the nurse medical community of, um, you know, we need technology. We, we, you know, we trust the staff and the technology. Women are a potential pressure cooker disaster mm -hmm. waiting to happen. And we have to protect ourselves from lawsuits. And so, so the modern medicine is better for this. 
Well, then I learned a different, right. So I said to my midwife, I don't, you know, I believe this, like I get it intellectually. I, I just have to viscerally feel it so that I can really authentically be a midwife and promote this. She said, you'll be fine, but you, you know, oh, you, I, you'll be whatever. I, I you're going to have a whole different experience. You'll see for yourself. And it was Thank the most you. healing birth. And then my, you know, my other babies were born like this. Um, just the most healing uh, experience that that my body just did it, yeah. despite the trauma, and uh, with the support of a, of a wise, trained midwife who knew what normal is and what's not. And and if it's not normal, she left it, let me do my thing, and was there, you know, just as this as this supportive. Uh, you know, I knew she knew how to deal with emergencies. She's seen. You know, she was, you know, mm -hmm. very seasoned. But anyway, so it was that visceral experience that really created the passion, right. I would think, um, behind that's driving this force of of we got to we got to how do we change the yeah. world? Like, <laughs> you know, I can I can, you know, peace on like I can I can certainly, I, you know, I my, my friend and I started my private practice. Um, I worked in a hospital when I when I first graduated. Um, which was a, was built on the British model, which was do, mm -hmm. midwife, doctor, team care. And we had six midwives where mm -hmm. we took care of everybody, even if they had insulin dependent diabetes, even, you know, we did breech twins, breech vaginal, we did vaginal <laughs> breech, vagi uh, vaginal twin, and just call the doctor if, if there's a problem. If we need surgery, of course, you know, uh, we would call the doctor or if we needed them to manage the insulin. But, but, most people were normal and healthy and, and they benefited. The, our outcomes were amazing. And this was in hospitals. We, we enabled people to have sort of like a home birth like experience in the hospital. I told everyone, move in, you know, bring your own food, bring your own clothes, bring your own everything. And, and you know, and, and, and we're just going to support. And it was the, a lot of that, a lot of the nurses in that hospital were midwives from other countries that, that couldn't work as midwives. But so we really had a great setup. The problem is, is when I tried to work in a hot, so that was a right. two hour commute for me. So when I had four, that, four kids, it became yeah. kind of hard to have a two hour commute each way. Yeah. So I started, you know, looking into more local hospitals and I was mortified. I wasn't able to practice mm -hmm. authentic midwifery, meaning my, you know, I, I had, my hands were tied as a midwife by obstetrical right. pra like policies like policies written by ACOG that's not applying to the healthy population. So then I, so a friend of mine and I said, why don't we just start a home birth practice? Because I was very fortunate. I had birth center. Um, I had out of hospital uh, training in my, in my training. And I also, in my midwifery training, we had to go down to Tennessee. I don't know if you know about um, now Hyden, Kentucky, yeah. the frontier school of yeah. midwifery and family nursing, which is the original, horses on mm -hmm. midwives on horseback that went to the that they had the worst statistics this is a very poor community i'm just saying for the listeners a very poor rural woodsy community that, with no electricity and w plumbing and um roads and they had maybe 10 10 children in one house and they had very bad a lot of poverty very the worst uh statistics in the country in terms of maternal and newborn morbidity and mortality. And uh, Mid Mary Breckenridge and her <laughs> British trained midwives came and turned it around. They became the best. The midwives were on horseback. They would try to go through creeks and whatever to get, you know, with their little 
birth pack, uh, birth bags to get to each house, but they overturned and became the best uh, statistics in the United States uh, from those midwives. So I was really blessed yeah. to have training there. And that was life changing, you know, just life changing, all, all of it. So, so um, yeah. So when I started my midwifery practice in 1997, yeah, um, we, uh, we, we were created it out of nothing. And um, we were booked solid, like wow. after the first year, like booked totally. You can't. So that's what I've been doing. I have done. I love doing shifts. Um, I have a, in the local hospital near me that it's an immigrant uh, population. It's a hospital really is for immigrants who walk over the border and they have nothing. They have no insurance, you know, really. Uh, and mostly Spanish speaking. Um, and I love speaking Spanish with them and getting them out of bed and let's <laughs> do some salsa, you know, cause they're all, when I go in there, they're all on their backs and, you know, just, they think America is wonderful, but well, not for them because they came from many of them have told me they've come from countries where, you know, the, the, the their grand, their mother had uh -huh. 10 babies in their house and, and they're, and everybody breastfed and, and they come to United States and we're putting them in, <laughs> You know, we're, we're, we're like destroying this lineage of right. knowing how to birth, right? We're putting them in beds on monitors, IV, can't eat. And, you know, they're thinking that like we're doing what all we're, we're doing is great, but what we're, it's not. So I, I, I'm like giving them, you know, let's get them eating up and dancing and all kinds of stuff. And, and, um, and I started teaching medical students because they never saw, they, they said, we don't ever, we're not, we're never going to see normal birth. So we're told oh, to follow the wow. midwives. <laughs> Yeah. So, so they're part of me. I, I liked doing that. Um, and I did that until COVID and then yeah. it became insane because I had to work when I had COVID and, and I, uh, you know, it's just not possible anyway. So now I'm strictly back to just only home birth and it, cause it's much more human and I don't ever want to set foot right now as a professional, I've done my share of hospital birth and I'm, I'm very happy to help people have a home sweet home birth like experience in hospitals because some people don't have that option or want to have a home birth. But um, yeah, the, the whole move to so my expertise is in person. I'm not techie at all. I know people wouldn't think that, but I'm just not. I'm an in-person type of person. And my daughter, who, who knows my passion, she said, you should be on Instagram. I'm like, what's that? Because everything was becoming more technological. This might have been eight years ago. And I literally said, what's that? And she said, Instagram is where all these like young women have mamas and and they would love you, you are so you know you have this passion and you have a lot of education you have all these handouts and you you know you love encourage you know um teaching uh, so so that's just where to do it and i had at that time before there were videos people sending me tons of pictures of their births and loving their births like and i've been in the orgasmic birth documentary i've been in um tlc baby story a couple of five three or four times, something like that. So, so people could not understand how someone could mm -hmm. love their birth. And, and I, that's all I see. I see, I, I see people that love their birth and, and even if it's intense, they love their birth. And I, you know, so then I would post and it just grew into like, it was like over now it's like what 106,000 followers and I get on cool podcasts. Right. But I published my book and may and turned my preparation of how empire. I prepare mamas to love the birth because 
It, it became like I made it into a course for the, so it's available to the global community because no one can understand how is it that not one person in my practice, and I've had over a thousand babies in my home birth practice, not one person needed to transfer mm. for an epidural, having a normal labor. Mm. Not one. I, now, people, I don't force people to stay home. If someone is having an abnormal situation, that's different. If someone is like not cope, you know, like not coping with an in a severely intense posterior baby, with, and 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 it's just not progressing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's a whole, you know, she's been doing this five days, and 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 she's, you know, there comes a point where there's the compassionate use of an epidural. We just, you know, we need to be grateful for modern medicine when needed. But, but the, people having a normal progressive labor. Not not one has needed an epidural. So my transfer rate is, 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 is 7%. And, and, um, that's predominantly first time vaginal birthers. So it could be VBAC or first time mom who has not prepared in the way that I now require, but, but, um, in the way that I encourage them to prepare because today, even more, we need to prepare because we're, we're going against the culture and our subconscious beliefs and, and um, you know, there could be a lot of fear. You know, there's so much that, that's mm -hmm. not in our conscious, but that the culture makes us think or believe or act, right? That hospital is the only place I can feel safe birthing, right? Or, or, or oh, something hurts. It hurts. It means it's something wrong. Well, in labor, if something hurts, it actually, you're supposed, it's supposed to feel discomfort. And I like to call it intensity. You want to call it pain. I've had a lady tell me, I'm in ecstasy <laughs> with my pain. Like, you know, you, you can, yeah. we have to shift mindsets, but the, oh, it takes time and there's practice and co ways of coping. But um, if they haven't done that and they don't have a doula or a doula like support person, I I, I now require, because I see that, in, I do my stats. So I, I, I see that common denominator. So if we get that out, then my transfer rate is so mm -hmm. little. I mean, but you know, my, my C-section rate is 5%. So yeah um we are the emts of birth you know so i do bring a birth you know it's interesting on the on the orgasmic birth documentary that i was in she filmed a couple of our births and um my births people that had birth in my practice but she interviewed me on my birth bag for two hours well i was so excited i have a birth ball and i have a rebozo and i have a squatting rope and i have i have uh you know my herbs and my homeopathy you know what she shows in the movie she shows all my emergency equipment. She takes, she edits two hours down to a few minutes of my emergency equipment because she wants to show that we're not just waving sage. You know, we do have the same equipment that an out-of-hospital birthing center has. And I, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I have had to deal with emergencies and I'm very grateful that I have my nurse training or, or my midwife training and my license ability to be skilled and trained mm -hmm. to deal with emergencies. Thank God I have never lost... You know, you know, you know, so, so we, yeah, we do have, you know, emergencies do happen and, and that, you know, thankfully it's, it's uh, birth is groovy and beautiful and wonderful, but if there, until it's not, and then meconium can happen, you know, there, there can be emergencies. And that's why I, I, I'm very, you know, pro having just a midwife there just in case, like I, I say, I say, you know, the free birth the community doesn't like it, but I'm all for free birth. Just have the midwife there in the background, just in case, just in case you know. Yeah. Just in case, because there's been times where I've just had to jump in. And if I hadn't or an attendant hadn't been able to jump in, that that mother or baby would have had a tragic outcome. So why why do that? You know, like I 
all for the natural remedies. But if we need to use Pitocin mm -hmm. for a hemorrhage, we're, you know, and, and the I can just quickly fact jump and start is an IV. In the state of Georgia, EMTs don't carry Pitocin. But when I had my last baby, my midwife sure as heck has Pitocin. And so I'm more comfortable I in her do, hands yeah. than calling an EMT to transfer me right without Pitocin. Yeah. No, I rarely call an EMT. No, I, I can count in less than a handful of times in all these years that I've had the 29 years now. I've had to call an EMT. But I mean, that's when I have to get to the mm -hmm. hospital, right? So um, for most transfers, like I say, if it's a mom having a stuck labor and she's just not progressing and we just need to give it's her an epidural and that, that that's like not yeah. an urgent. It's a mutual agreed upon and it's not an yeah. emergency to get in the car. And yeah, I don't have to call an EMT, but yeah, so that, that's, that's like, like to me, um, like that's, I love, like, I feel like I'm a, I'm a CPM at heart. I love the CPM model of midwifery. It's just that sometimes in States it's not legal. And if they're not legal and they can't carry medications that like, like, like that, right, that, would, that would make me uncomfortable. So I think it's important to ask, you know, it depends on the state, like a CPM in New York is elite, like they would be arrested for, for practicing midwife without midwifery without a license whereas i'm in a neighboring state because i could drive right into new jersey or connecticut you know i, I have my 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 my, my mm -hmm. service area encompasses the three tri-state area um those states uh, so um are legal uh, new jersey it's legal they can get licensed to cpm so they can have they can have um uh they can carry suturing and anesthetic and, and, you know, they can get IV and, you know, uh, Pitocin, methogen, you know, the, the mm -hmm. hemorrhage medication. So throughout like, all oh. of this, throughout all of your experience, all of your training, your own personal experience, bringing it back to pregnant mama, how has, how has your mm -hmm. philosophy changed in supporting pregnant women? What are some things that you teach or educate during pregnancy that might go against the grain of what we were taught in school. Right. And, and so, so that's why I have a book and a course because they're both very different. But um, first of all, the people coming to my practice are people that are making an informed decision that they want to have a home birth. I need them to convince me, especially first timers, I need them to convince me why they want to have a home birth. If, 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 that, if, if their partner wants a home birth, but they're not so sure, I want, because they need to mm -hmm. birth where they feel safe, right? So, so I can give them all kinds of books, but I, I really want them to, you know, they need to transform enough for me to feel that they're going to birth well at home, you know, but, but, but so, so, so that being said, you know, that's a different population. People are already coming to me with, the, they've made that decision. They want a home birth, but we still have the Western American culture in us we can't help it right you know it's just there so what i a lot of times have to work with is um even though they're making that decision yeah. there's a lot of fear there's a lot of fear still and so that could come from so many places you know so how how i want them to have and that's part of my course um i, I do address it in my book but it's really most of my course but and but i want them to have um to 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 learn so much about the safety of 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 home birth and physiologic birth you know i want them to really learn about it and 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 about the different philosophies about obst obstetricians and midwives 
so that they and and I have different things that I give them to to including my own um, talking to them, but I want them to really trust their body's ability to give birth like with the mm -hmm. core of their being. This is not just you push a button. You see, we live in a we live in a culture that we just swipe and we get our results, or we just push a button, we get our results. You know, this you know this might be something that that a mama is going to work on on a daily on a daily basis of how she can you know develop that trust. Can she connect with the billions of women that have given birth before her? Can she connect with the three hundred thousand? Every time a mama's in labor, there's three hundred thousand women around mm -hmm. the world that are giving birth at the same time. That's a, you know, like this is how, you know, what I, I, I look for, what is it with her? You know, it, a lot of people are in my practice are, you know, I, I, I have um, a lot of religious Christians that are homeschooling. I have, there's a whole, there's a religious Jewish community in my neighborhood. Um, I do have, so, so if they're in that, I, I have to work less, but because if, if, they tend to, I don't want to lump anybody together, but sometimes connecting uh -huh. to the spiritual um, can help them get out, you know, we, because we really, the obvious, mm -hmm. we need to get out of our heads. And Ina McGaskin, where the farm is not far from Atlanta, um, you know, it's like, you know, tap into your inner monkey, your inner primal, because, you know, it's really our, so much of us are in our left brain right? <laughs> Left brains. We are thinking, we are in the computer, we're Googling everything, right? And we're just not like existing. We're not being mm -hmm. in our body. So how can we get to be in our body? We have to get out of our brain. So sometimes for a mom that might be do more dancing. She's a dancer, you know, um, gardening, farming, you know, uh, just whatever works with that woman. Yo that's why I love yoga so much because it gives you the tools to using breath work, using body movement, using movement with breath, using, um, you know, how to sort of ground yourself and center yourself mm -hmm. and get out of the busy mind. Um, in orgasmic birth, um, that documentary was all about tapping into the sensual because it's that same energy, but it's also out of our head. We need to get out of our head and into our body. So there's different pathways of doing it for the work for different people. Um, but, but the set, tapping into the sensual is because it's that same energy that gets the, the baby in is the same energy that gets the baby out. Oh. So, you know, I've had people make love in, in labor, right? So I don't mean I'm in the room watching them, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out and give them privacy, a good midwife and doula know, know when to leave. Right. Yeah. You know, but it's that, it's that same energy, you know, that's why dancing, I, a lot, of, I tell them to make three playlists. One is sort of like a spa, like, you know, meditative music. Another is, you know, the sensual slow dancing, sort of that energy that, that gets you into that mood of wanting to make love. And then the other one is like, bring on the hip hop, turn on the move that bush, shake that booty, you know, and you know, sometimes yeah. we just got to create some fun and, and shake, move those hips and at three in the morning, I don't care, African drums, we're all dancing. And you know, it's whatever works for that particular um, mom. I had a mom in my practice who was a singer. Okay. So she, I said in the heat of labor and uh, she, you know, whenever she was in, in, in tension, whenever she felt stressed, she what would help mm -hmm. her was singing. So we were at the heat of her labor and, uh, and I told her sing everywhere, sing in the car, sing while you're doing the laundry, sing. And when you do it, when you're doing anything that you don't like, when you're feeling stressed, because that would bring her into a, a zone. 
that where she felt good, where she felt joy, where she where she wasn't stressed out. And um, this was, you know, a lot of this was also, you know, before we had, you know, horrific news in our face constantly, you know, with the cell phones, um, the cell phones, I have to, you know, now that we have the cell phones, I have to work even harder with people because they're trained to think that a birth will happen in 15 seconds of a video that you can just scroll, you know, and so like they feel like a failure that their their labor is taking 17 hours, but actually that's, that's a short labor for a first time mom. But, you know, so there's a lot of um, good things, but I'm, I, I, uh, I'm wary of some, you know, of, of, of the effects of, of social media, but it's definitely creating much more anxiety. So I have a lot more people mm-hmm. with anxieties. Anyway, this woman in, in her, the heat of her labor, she was out of sorts. And I just, I said, let's sing, Let me, let's sing. And she got into singing and her husband was playing the piano and she oh. sang her baby out. She literally sang her baby out like like she got into a zone and her body just did its thing. And, you know, so, yeah, I've been brought to tears, like humbled by what, you know, how how mamas are able to to tap into the to the energy where they can birth. It used to not be so complicated the, the Western world has made it so right. complicated. You know, so so, yeah, so I so education um, also is because birth used to be a part of normal home life. So, uh, every, you know, all the women would of the community would, or of that mom's family would be helping. So it could be the younger sister, it could be the older sister, it could be the aunt, the mother, the mother-in-law, the, you know, grandmother. Everyone was sort of helping, but mm-hmm. we were around birth. Now, because we're living in the United States and this accident of history in the 1900s that birth was moved to the hospital. So for the elite in the beginning, but, but the majority of people are not around birth. So they don't, they, what, what they don't know, sometimes they can fear and they don't, you know, so I don't want to get a panicked call from someone who had just had released some bloody show. That's normal. Like we need to embrace. So I need to them to learn what's going to happen to their body because mm-hmm. it's going to be big changes and embrace it. Like, wow, just, you know, I, I just had yeah. some blood. <laughs> you know, it's like nothing to me. Is, I mean, I tell them what's a normal amount, but yeah, it's normal to bleed like a light period in labor. And, and that is great. Add it to the soup. You know, you're going to be releasing fluids. You're going to, you know, your body's going to do this. And, and I like people to know about transition. And I like people to, so I, there's one movie I like them to watch. It, it was filmed in Austria in a birthing center that really shows transition. That shows the hardest part of labor, but it shows that women are doing it. And so, so that I like the partners to watch that. So they don't get scared. Like, why well, did we go to the hospital? <laughs> you think like, 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 I, you know, I've had, I had a doula in my practice who heard her mantra, you know, like I tell everyone, you know, vocalize, it's good to move. It's good to vocalize when you're in labor, just be free to do, you know, whatever you need to do. And, you know, she was, her thing was like, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying. And then, and her son was there watching. And she's a doula, and after the con- you know the the sensation of the of the contraction, she would say, "I'm not dying, honey. I'm, I'm just saying that, you know, I'm dying, I'm dying, I'm dying." You know, so so it was it was. <laughs> I just repeated the word over and well, over yeah, again. Well, <laughs> yeah, I had a religious Christian. I had a religious Christian. Her husband was a minister. Mm-hmm. Literally, say that every, you know, and afterwards, like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, no, nothing to apologize. This is working for you. <laughs> Like this is 
you know, I don't think God's going to be mad at you. Not that I, you know, I don't know. I haven't spoken to God, but I, I, wh whatever, you know, people say, mm -hmm. you know, it's intense. People feel that's a normal emotion to right. feel they can't do it. It's a, so I, rather than get nervous, I'm like, oh, she's, she's saying, I can't, we're going to have a baby soon. You know? So it really is. Um, I was like, I'm done. You are I'm done. doing I'm done. it. How much longer? Hey, you're saying more. you're done. Yeah. Okay. You're done. I had a lady saying, I'm done. She starts, this was when I was in the hospital. I'm done. Pack my suitcase. And she gets out of bed and she starts getting her things. And then ah, she starts pushing. I didn't have, I knew she was going to do that. She's not leaving. Yeah. She's not going anywhere. But there is that, there is a real valid mm -hmm. mental state of, I can't do this. Something is really wrong. <laughs> I, or, you know, I want a cesarean, you know, the most natural yeah. birth person, you know, so that's a normal, you know, if everybody on the team knows that's normal, including the mom, even though she's saying it, you know, she, you know, it's not like a mom in between the sensation saying, listen, I can't, I've done this for, I'm doing, I'm, I'm really done. Yeah. I, I can't do this. Like, I'm not, you know, I, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about what, what she's saying during the, the contractions or surges or waves, whatever you want to say, but you know, you are doing it, you know? So, so, so I, there's a lot of preparation that, that is just what's going to happen in my body physically, mentally, emotionally during mm -hmm. each stage of labor. Right. Cause in the first stages of labor, like you're like, Oh, this yes. is, I'm so excited. I'm having them every 20 I'm minutes. I'm just to my music. I got my lights in the background. I can it's do this. Easy, no problem. <laughs> yeah. I can do this. I don't even need to call my doula. Well, you know, so that's why people want, you know, they say to me, how can you tell where people at without doing an internal exam? I, say, I just listen and watch you're them. Dead, you're if a mom is calling me and telling me I'm having one now, this is great. I can handle this. I'm like, this is great. You're in early labor. That's, you know, that's great. Versus a dad calling me and I hear in the background, <laughs> ah! you know, okay. So we're not, she can't, you know, that's a whole different and I, and, and, you know, there's the, yeah. everybody in between. Right. And yeah. So, so, th so that's part of the education. And then, and then also the education is if, you know, how to cope with intense sensations, you know, so people who can relate to that maybe are athletes, marathon runners, dancers, because they've had to work through on, you know, something's hurt. You know, there are people that have broken their bones during as, or they're still going to play because they want their team to win or they want to do the show, they're the star and they're working through pain, you know, versus, you know, a marathon runner is, is, is going to complete the 26 miles. He, you know, they might, might get to a point where they think they can or I'm done, but they have food stations along the way. They have drink stations along the way. And that has to be a mindset of I'm going to do this. Like, I don't care what, you know, like that's, that's, that is the overall mindset. That, you know, so many people, I had a woman in labor tell me, this is like mountain climbing. In the, in the high, hardest part of labor, she would say, this is like the ones that climb the mountains that are like, you know, with the, you know, the, the, the angle of the mountain. With nothing, it's like, like a little rope. Nine, oh. Rope, right. Yeah, rope. And, and, and the height is, you know, like taller than any building, I would imagine. But, but yeah, so she told me that it was like that. And I didn't ask, engage her in conversation during labor, but after labor, I said, that's fascinating. Tell me why. And you said that. And she said, well, because, you know, we, I've gone on, you know, she's, she would probably climb Mount Everest. I mean, she's of that professional, uh, skill, but like, you know, she gets to a peak and it was really hard. And, and, and then she sees that like the next peak is mm -hmm. like double the size. And 
And she's like, all right, well, I'm not going down. I'm going to go up. But then she's on that peak and she's like, this is hurting and this is hurting. And oh my God, I can't, I'm so tired. I have no energy. And then she gets to that, you know, I can't do this. Like I can't, but, but she's not going down. She's going up. And, and so she gets to the next, like, I guess, ledge. Huh. And then there's something four <laughs> times the size. And then she has to tap yeah. into something. You know, the, the, there's always that point in when she challenges herself to do harder and harder mountains. She has to tap into the strength that I'm going to do this no matter what. And I can do this. Like I'm, I did it. I'm up to here and I'm not going down. I'm going up. And so when she got to the top of that mountain, she tapped into that strength and she felt very similar to when she gave birth is when she climbs really challenging mountains. It's like, wow, I, I did that. Like I tapped, I found this strength in my body, you know? So, so I always, you know, that, you know, encourage, you know, women might come to me telling me they're wimps and they, they can't even take it that, you know, any kind of pain they're on a Tylenol or they take, you know, they just can't handle pain. And I'm like, I have plenty of those in my practice and I was one of those. So you, I'm just going to guarantee that you'll, yeah. you'll do fine, you know? And, and, and then when they're in it, and, and, and I'm like, you are doing it. Look at this. It's just like, you know, this is great. This is your mountain to climb. This is your marathon to run. Whoever I'm talking to, whatever their, now, whatever their Do you find that is. mindset and, is harder to maintain when women are in the hospital? Because I, I totally agree with you. I think that society has stripped away women's empowerment, feel like their bodies can go right. through really. And so Much for harder. me, when I had my baby at home, I didn't have the option of the epidural. And part of me was like, right. oh, I think yeah. that's probably why I didn't was because that it just wasn't there. So do you find that? There, yeah, there's this, there's yeah, this comedian. Like this is harder. Yes, there's this comedian. I posted on one of my Instagram posts. Um, she was like, I don't want to go to a, I don't want to go to an institution to have my baby where a cesarean is an option or an epidural is an option. I just I just don't, yeah. I just don't want the option. You know, she was just being funny about it. But I, yeah, I think it's much harder. And that's part of the education. So when I'm dealing with the online community, I'm not just dealing with people who are planning home birth. I'm dealing with people that want, that really want a physiologic birth. They want an undisturbed birth. They don't have the option of home birth. They don't want a free birth. They don't want to hire a traveling midwife. You know, they can only go to the hospital. So yeah, that, that's where a lot of my mm -hmm. education comes in is you are going to be bombarded with this intervention, this intervention, this intervention to make a decision about all these different tests and procedures. And you know, you, you need to know beforehand how you feel about them. Some are not worth fighting about, but some of them, if you, you know, cord clamping, don't let them clamp your baby's cord. The baby needs a third yes. of the blood supply back. It's, it's the baby's blood. It's like a hemorrhage. No one sees, right? Let the baby Can we pause get right there for a blood. second. That is, I don't think enough yeah. women realize when you're in the hospital, it's phrased as cord blood. It's not phrased as your baby's blood. And baby's I don't blood. think enough women realize baby's blood. that That's a third a good of point. Their, the baby's blood is in that cord. So by letting that. Or backs right. up into the placenta mm -hmm. during pushing. Yeah, that 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 is a hemorrhage and that's equivalent to a hemorrhage no one sees. <gasps> one third of a blood supply lost in an yes. adult is considered so hemorrhage. So allow that blood to flow back yeah. into your baby versus. Back. Yeah. Blood volume, oxygen all the nutrients that would that 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 help the baby transition from womb to to fetal fetal circulation to independent circulation and long-term effects like we're getting stem cells we're getting immune 
you know, stop, all iron, you know, there's so many, there's so many benefits. So no clamping. White. Yeah. Is my, <laughs> my, let the cord go white. So who, they want to know that people ask me, they want to donate their cord blood. I said, the best recipient to your cord blood yes. is the baby, your baby. Right. I can, if you want me to harvest, I can, you know, if the baby's totally fine and we've had 20 minutes of cord clip going and the, you know, it's starting to go down if they really want, but most people in my practice, I mean, don't, don't, don't donate their core, core blood, yeah, but, um, be, they can, yeah, it's for possible. baby to get all blood. I think that would be top what? hit for my baby to get my blood. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Well, the baby needs the baby, yeah. your own baby yeah, needs your name. baby's that blood. That would be right. my yeah, first, right. I think that would be my first pick. Yeah. So what are other? Yeah, but like I have a list of fifty yeah. interventions, literally, or procedures, or decisions and tests. That so so yeah so and and so it's interesting. I I have a beautiful story to share about that because so I had a mom that contacted me and they live in a very rural area where the only obstetrician that practiced was very high. I think um, the uh, she took my course. My God, my guide to pregnancy, birth, postpartum, but, 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 they, but their only option, they had no home birth. It was, it was just this hospital doctor, uh, C-section rate was, let's say very high, maybe 70%, uh, there or in the seventies, um, everybody's induced, uh, everybody has an epidural, not everybody's induced, well, a very high, uh, um, uh, percentage of inductions. Um, nobody goes past 40, 40 and, and, and five, I think 40 weeks and five days. Um, I, this was what she told me at the time. And, and she went to her doctor very nicely. She took my course. She was all empowered. And, uh, I would like a natural birth. I would like an undisturbed physiologic birth. And he said to her, honey, oh. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I, I don't do that here. I'm not trained. I'm a doctor. He said, I'm, he was very nice. He says, I'm a doctor. She told, she, she was in touch with me about this. I'm a doctor. You I intervene. am trained in, yeah. in interventions and to intervene. And, and, and everything goes according to my, you know, what I do, you know, to the protocols that I practice. And, and that's, that's what I do, you know? So she says, yes, but, you know, very respectfully, I disagree with all that. And I have prepared myself, you know, I've done my research. This was in, so I'm just saying it's possible, it's just harder. I have with me a doula who's going to advocate for me and knows what I want. And we've discussed all this, you know, and, and I just want you to be a fly on the wall. I just want you to sit there and not be in the room at all. And, and just come in and catch, you know, or my husband will catch or however, but I really don't want you to do any intervention. Unless necessary. And he's, and he's was, you know, continuing to decline that. And he's like, I've never wow. seen that. I don't know what you're talking about, but eventually she got him, she got him to just do that. She had the most beautiful, beautiful, uh, undisturbed physiologic birth in the hospital. And who was crying the, the most doctor. at that birth? Brought oh. to tears. Never saw that. So that's how we make change. If we're going into hospital settings, we have to mm -hmm. really prepare and, and you, you have to really, she got, she, you have to feel that you could fight the system because he could have easily, you know, he, he did throw in the dead baby thing. You know, you could easily, he was nice about it, but you know, we want everything to be safe now, right? We want everything. We don't want anything mm -hmm. to happen to your baby, you know? So, uh, he meant well, 
but respectfully we could stand up now some people really don't feel they can stand up so that's why you know you bring an advocate to stand up for you right um it can be done and it was done and i have i have her her video on on one of my online website just because it was just amazing uh that that can happen another good point is you um, mentioned that that doctor didn't want her going past 40 weeks and five days can you well, now it's 39, probably. Uh, that was, you know, even in just a few years, oh, yeah. it's become 39. Can we debug yeah. that myth, please? <laughs> Are you, do you, yes, please well, go ahead. <laughs> that was based, that study is so flawed that I actually have a blog on my website just that on, on the flaws of that study alone. Um, the, um, it, it's, it's, it's based on one hmm. flawed study that uh so there's um i don't buy into one study ever um i even have trouble buying into studies because studies are biased and um especially if they're if they're if they're done or funded heavily funded by pharmaceutical companies like Mm -hmm. that that make pitocin and cytotec or cervidil or whatever you know so um yeah, there there are a lot of uh, so I have a blog article on all the research about that study and all the flaws about it, and and so does Hensi Goer and Evidence Based Birth, and I think you can Lamaze.org has there are definitely um, uh, enough there's enough research now debunking that that myth. There is ac- absolutely according to the evidence, there is no evidence based reason to induce labor unless there's preeclampsia that's worsening preeclampsia or i would say any like severe situation where the mother's health is at severe risk right but like but certainly not like for ma- suspected macrosomia suspected big that baby suspected small they baby you know guess this, that baby's gonna yeah. be 12 pounds baby comes out at six pounds eight ounces yeah and and i and i have a personal a really bad story about that but yeah uh, um meaning meaning that i know someone who did not who bled out through the surgery and the ba- was induced because they didn't even let her have this was at an ivy league institution and uh she she said they they told her her baby was over nine pounds she she was too small to push that baby out they didn't even schedule have her go into labor they just did a scheduled section and yeah the the baby was seven pounds so this is not just a one thing this is like research according to the research uh the sonograms and hand assessments are just Mm -hmm. not accurate to estimate fetal weight in enough to make a medical decision based on that. And also in labor, baby's head molds because the, the, the skull bones aren't fused and the, the, the pelvic bones are three bones connected by ligament, ligaments that can, you know, expand and, you know, they're mm-hmm. smaller on your back, but if you're up with your leg up, you know, so, so if you're standing with your leg on a chair, you know, so, so we have to let that baby in that position and that weight try to navigate its way through the pelvis and i you know my big ba- big babies i've seen plenty of big babies come out biggest baby in my practice was 11 11 past 15 but without a tear yeah without a tear she just hypnobirthed that it's baby so out possible. Uh, my jada was 10 pounds i had a 10 pound yeah. baby at home and so you know when they say women can't 
can't birth big babies. It's a bunch of hoopla. Right. Yeah, and and shoulder dystocia. Yeah. So women have been birthing babies for thousands of years, and then all of a sudden, the last two hundred years, we're gonna do it different. Right. Do it. Well, they, they're get, they're getting bigger because obesity is rising, and so babies are getting bigger. And you know, we're the the portions in the United States are keep going up, and and the junk food, you know, but you know, diabetes is you know up, and you know, a lot of the lifestyle related illnesses are up that could impact that. But but like I said, I I don't want to discount shoulder dystocia because I've had to deal with plenty of that, and that's really not an emergency I like to deal with. But it's not yeah. just big babies. It could. It, it, it's not the size of the baby that dictates whether you know. We can't. We don't always know what causes the shoulder dystocia. Could be relate. You know, but which means to the audience when the head comes out, but the shoulders get stuck behind the pubic bone. So we really have mm -hmm. minutes to get the baby out. The baby can't stay there for very long. But um, so the whole. You know, they scare everybody into thinking about the shoulder dystocia. You don't want that. Well, no mother wants that. No, no, don't want that. So of course do a C-section, you know, so, but, but, you know, more and more women are, you know, hopefully I'd like to think, I mean, the ones on my page, uh, you know, are, are questioning the, this, yeah, this narrative, but there really is not an evidence-based um, support of, of much of advanced maternal age. Do we have to, we have to induce them at 39 mm -hmm. weeks? You know, this is just. And what propaganda. about, there's a couple other, other ones I want to touch on in pregnancy. How do you feel about cervical checks and membrane sweeps? Okay. <laughs> cervical checks. Um, if you're not in labor, I don't see the point of having cervical checks unless somebody wants one, but I'll talk them out of it because it's yes. a brain F. It's a brain, uh, uh, what do you say? It screws mm -hmm. up the way you, way you think. Because I've had moms long, closed, and thick. Their cervix is long. The, the, that's meaning the the end of uh, like the opening of the womb is long, a few inches long. It's thick around like a donut, and it's uh -huh. tightly closed, right? And it's all the way in the back, so you barely can reach it. And they'll go into labor that night. I have been so like I love that. And and if you tell someone when they're forty one weeks, your cervix is long. <laughs> and thick like they're like they're not in labor yet so why why like that makes them think oh no so my body's not doing it right I, like i should be do i should be i should be doing i should be more thin that should be more forward i should be something my cervix should be start to be doing something so I, it messes with your head and i've also had people walk around for you know six centimeters for weeks uh, they're just they're just not in labor you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like suggest them going far, you know, far from their, their place that they're planning on birthing because probably when they go into labor, things will <laughs> go pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, so, so I don't want them to think to be scared though, that they could just be in a store and drop their baby, you know, so they're not in labor when someone's in labor. I also don't like to do cervical checks because we're, you know, uh, if there's a problem, that's a different story, but in normal labor, I can kind of tell what's going on. I mean, do this long enough that you're, if you hire a really seasoned midwife or, you know, family doctor, I love family doctors because they're, they, 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 they're, they practice, a lot of them practice like midwives. Um, but um, they, you, they can kind of, they can tell what's going on without having to, they can use their hands on your belly. They, mm -hmm. you know, to check position and where they're getting the loudest heartbeat and listening to where you're getting kicked, you know, and, and watching you 
they, they can kind of see what's happening without right. internal exams. Now, if I have a question, if something is, seems to be taking long, if mom wants to know where she's at, you know, I will, I will do an internal exam in labor if she wants me to, if I think it's, it's, it's it would solve a problem that we're, you know, like, is it, she's been pushing mm -hmm. three hours and it still doesn't, you know, we, right. what, what's going on, right? Right. We have, we have to, you know, that's different than a routine cervical right. check every hour. You know, um, so in labor, it can, like I said, I can really often tell what's going on without having to do the internal exam. Um, so I love when I can do a birth yeah. without an internal exam, but it's an into it's violating. It's, it's an intimate area of the, of the mother, you know, of the body. And, um, you know, it's, it's different if the mom is asking me, you know, she wants to know where she's at. Um, I know for me, I was like, get different. your hands off me. <laughs> like, I don't, yeah, I don't I, most people don't, yeah. if I, right. Yeah. Especially in labor. Out, not going in. Yeah. I don't right? want your hands anywhere near. No, get out. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's different than like, let's say I'm attending a mom in labor. She's having very intense contractions and I'm just right. not seeing the progress that you would, you know, I'm not like, she's not on the clock. It's looking like she's getting exhausted and, um, you know, and, and she's starting to like, like grunt, push a little bit. It's not like, ah, you know, but there's, you know, and, and I'm sort of suspecting based on how I'm feeling that the baby's posterior, you know, I, I might do it. I might, you know, I might suggest, you know, let's see what's going on. Or I had a woman here. This is interesting. I, you know, cause I'm so against breaking the water. It's just mm -hmm. that bag of water, double membranous bag of water is there for a reason. Um, let's not mess with mother nature it knows what it's doing right. more than we do. Um, but we, I had a mom who was at eight centimeters. She wanted me to check because she was in transition for a very long time. And she was done with transition. <laughs> She's done. I want you to check me. And I, I checked her. I said, oh, it's very interesting. I said, you're eight centimeters dilated. You ha you're fully a face, but the big bag of water is like a balloon. <laughs> on your cervix. So when you're getting these strong contractions, your the baby's head is, is can't press on your cervix to open. I said, I have a feeling <laughs> that if I break your bag of water, that you're going to give birth in 10 minutes. Well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. Okay. We don't have to do that. I'm, I, I, I'm just saying, I, you know, we, you know, so two hours later, she asked me to check her again. And she was having the same transition, like contractions, doing all kinds of natural remedies and oh. the same exam. She's like, yeah. oh, my after water. And okay, oh, she had the no. baby in 10 minutes. So oh. now that then she had five babies since with me. She says, if I ever get to that I point, I want you to don't even ask me. Yeah. I want you to break right. So everybody's an individual and has an individual situations. You know, if someone tells me when they're not in labor to break their water, I might say, no, not going to put you on the clock and risk your infection. And that bag of water is there for a reason, you know, but th so that's a whole different thing. But yeah, so I, I'm not real big supporter of internal exams unless, unless there's a problem yeah. or needed. Yeah. And then you ask I mean, me I about feel like membrane sweep is probably question? on the same. Well, no, that's a little bit. Well, okay. So, so I get this, I get this. So in New Jersey, there are, there are states that, um, actually 
would you believe that New, New Jersey State, the law is that a midwife can, a licensed midwife can't attend a birth past 42 weeks. So I'm very liberal with, with, with how I high, um, give a, a, a due date. Like, I'm not just going to say, oh, when's the first day your last period? I want, I'm very, I, I do like detective work. Mm-hmm. Do you know when you can see? Maybe they don't. Okay, no, they don't. Are you tracking your cycles? Like, like how long are your cycles? Are they? If they're 35 days, I'm going to add seven days to your due date because you didn't ovulate at, at at day 14. You ovulated on day 21, right? So, but but or I have a lady that's had eight babies. Um, they're all born at 44 weeks, but they 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 they, they gestational age assessment is 39 weeks. They full of vernix. They have, they're like, we assess the baby's gestational age is a certain way to do it when they're born. And they're all born like 39 weeks, but she's 30, but she's 44 weeks past her right. first period date. Well, the baby, so, so she, people are individuals and she just, either she gestates longer, she ovulates later, whatever it is, but I'm not, I'm not gonna, um, what's the, what we were talking about, um, I don't like this, you have to give birth by 42 weeks. I don't like that law. So if people are in New Jersey, uh, we have to, um, you know, be. I, I'm especially careful about how I give them a due date. And then, you know, they, they naturally can try things to get them into labor. People ask me around the world, their doctor doesn't let them go past 40 weeks in three days or whatever, which is... I don't want the word let me because it's your body, your birth, your baby. So if so, just like how I treat people in my practice, it's your, you know, I don't want to get legally in trouble in New Jersey, but I'm saying, you know, I've had people like birth at my house, you know, um, if we're going past 42 weeks, right. I'm not going to abandon them, you know, uh, if they still want to have a home birth, but we can't give birth in New Jersey because <laughs> I don't want to lose my license Fair trade to all the other people I take care of. Well, yeah, you know, but I'm saying not everybody has this option, right? But, but in, so, so I don't like people feeling this, this pressure. That being said, I do, you know, there, people do need to know that, that 42 weeks, that there is a slight increased risk of stillbirth and, you know, let's say complications related to the placenta um, circulation to the baby. And so it does, it is, it is recommended to monitor the baby's health after, you know, after a when we mm. go past that point and expectant management, I've had people re- absolutely decline induction, but if somebody wants induction, they just, they've had it. I am done. I know I can't take this pressure. I'm afraid of a silver. I, I don't, I don't even want to take any chance, you know, whatever. Um, I have a whole chapter in my natural birth secrets book, second edition mm-hmm. on all the natural remedies that, 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 that can, you could try you know, that, that help bring on labor. And just so you know, many of them are quite effective and some of them don't work because your baby comes when your baby comes, you know, we can mess with mother nature, but you know, the mother nature or God has other plans, you know, even the big medications, you know, and if you, if if you talk to people who've had inductions, they, 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 you'll hear a lot of times I was in the hospital with the induction for three days Uh because the first two days didn't work. Or, you know, similar story like that. Or they sent me home and to come back another day. So sometimes, you know, but I've had a lot of success with these remedies. And there are, they are, you know, some of them are, have been researched. And, and, and membrane sweep is something I would use 
as a last as a last resort only you know it is invasive and not invasive uh, but it's relatively more invasive than right. nipple stimulation or taking certain herbs but um i it is it is a way that can bring you know m- sometimes moms will come into me and they say well you strip my membranes uh she this is an informed mom who's had babies before or even not and she's read enough about it mm-hmm. and she wants to try that you know and so her her cervix has to be a certain ripeness enough i have to be able to put you know a finger or two in her cervix um and and what what that does is when you separate the the membranes from the lower uterine wall you can release prostaglandins that can bring on labor and i've had i've had you know sometimes you have to repeat it once or twice uh, sometimes not i mean i've had people go into labor like within that you know that uh, within the hour a few hours or um within the next day so yeah it can work um, there's really, I, I don't really feel if the bag of water is intact, I don't really feel that, um, using gloves, I don't really feel, I've not seen an infection risk. Um, it's not really in the literature that there's a significant increase in infection from that. If the bag of water, if the amniotic sac is intact, um, it's uncomfortable. So I like to call it the cervical <laughs> massage and, but, but, you know, but, <laughs> I, t- I tell moms, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's not comfortable. We, we work, we, we use breath work and, and I, I'm gentle, but I've had people call me and just say, you know, their doctor just went in and did it. Like I was going to, they went to have their root. Uh, some people, the practices, the doctor examines them 36 weeks weekly mm-hmm. until they give birth. And they just did a, um, they saw blood on their, um, they felt something different and it took longer and then they saw blood and then they having contractions and they want to know, they're calling me to ask what happened. I think I, I, a lot of them are stripping membranes wow. without consent. And I've had people tell me that. So they and my sister, their timing her, her, her doctor didn't or what fits in their schedule. Yeah. You know how many times I've heard patients where they'd be like, oh, my doctor called me in to be induced. And I say, oh, okay, why? What was going on that you needed to be induced at 38 weeks? Oh, I have no idea. They just, they just did. They're going to play golf next week. They're going out. Yeah, of like, I, where is it? Where are that? our power going? They're going out, They're of, going town. out of town. Oh, it's the week of Thanksgiving. They're going out of town. So I think he just wanted to get it done. And I'm like, and you agreed? That's not how this works. That's what? the most, the most common reason for induction is Christmas and New Year's and Thanksgiving, like the holidays. And that's not a medical reason for induction at all. So yeah, they, and they, they want to make sure, and, and C-sections yeah. are scheduled even inductions are scheduled so that the discharge is before the holiday. So, yeah, I mean, look, if you go into this field, you know, I knew already I was going to be working on Christmas and <laughs> I mean, it's just, you, you know, you, if I have a part, you know, when you have a partner, you could say, okay, I'll do Christmas this year, you do Easter or right. I'll do New Year's you do Thanksgiving or whatever, you know, you work it out. But yeah, we do have to work on holidays. That's part of that. That's just part of the nature of the work. If you don't want to be working on holidays or yeah. nights, Right, wife or a doctor, no, or doula. It's not good because yeah. that's what well, a lot of births happen. So much more that we can talk about <laughs> with pregnancy, and we do have a whole uh-huh. other topic that we want to talk about in our next episode. But how can moms, moms to be, families, parents, all the things? How can people follow you on social and get your book? And how can people connect with you as we wrap up this first part of pregnancy before we get it? 
Well, my home, so, so my website is homesweethomebirth.com. It has everything that I offer there. Um, it has my, well, Natural Birth Secrets book, second edition. That's, that, that's on Amazon. It's all, it's, it's, it's all, it's available other places, ebook and there's, um, Kindle and there's other places where that's available, but that book, that's a whole long story how that book became a book, but it's, it's a 580 page book about all the holistic modalities th for all the common discomforts that people um, experience from preconception through to post, you know, postpartum. Um, and it's, it's, it's discussion of all the research r around the hot topics. Should I get the Rogam shot? Should I not? What about group B strep? Should, what is it? Do I test for it? Do I take antibiotics for it? Do I do genetic testing? You know, so how do I screen for, do I need to screen for diabetes and pregnancy? You know, so, so it's a lot of the, um, it, it, it's, it's not, it's very different than the actual guide to pregnancy, birth, postpartum, which is a real mm -hmm. preparation shift in mindset and involves the partner it includes things that moms can do regularly to prepare for birth and postpartum and even pregnancy like especially with when you go if you're in a hospital practice you know and 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 you know pre you know prepare for the best most holistically healthy what is holistic mind body heart and spirit you are not just a uterus okay so how yeah. <laughs> We, 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 how can you really have the best, most, ex, you know, experience that you love and will treasure forever from, you know, from planning a pregnancy through yeah. well, to we'll birth and postpartum. Yeah. Thing. So, so yeah. on Instagram, it's at home, sweet home birth. That's, that's the at home, sweet home birth. But the website has home, sweet home com has all the Wonderful. resources. Wonderful. Yeah. And then you can also have a coaching call with me. Like I've had people call right. me from Australia, like New Zealand, the Philippines, every, all over the United States, Canada, England, Germany, all, all, uh, Dubai, you know, related to this issue of, of, of birth. And we're all women having the same experience around the world and now connected. And so I wanted to offer that to the global community. And um, it's, so yeah, that's how you can that's access awesome. me personally. Well, stay tuned, y'all. We have part two with Miss Anne coming up. We're so excited to keep diving deeper into some of these topics. So stay tuned. And thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to continue this conversation. It's a pleasure. And until next time, let's discover together. We hope you've enjoyed this journey of exploration and learning as much as we have. Before you go, we have a special request for you, our beloved discoverers. We'd be thrilled if you could show your support in a few easy steps. Step one, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that like button and subscribe to our channel. Don't forget to turn that notification bell so you never miss a moment of discovery. Step two, if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to rate and review our show. Your feedback means the world to us and helps others discover our podcast too. Step three, whether you're on YouTube or listening on your favorite podcast platform, please share the Discovery Doc podcast with your friends, family, and social networks. It's the best way to spread the joy of discovery. And finally, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at the Discovery Doc. Stay connected with us for updates, behind the scenes content, and so much more. Plus, for exclusive content and additional resources, be sure to check out our website at www.thediscoverydoc.com. 
And while you're there, if you have a burning question or a topic you'd like us to discuss on the show, simply let us know. Thank you, Discoverers, for being part of our incredible journey. Until next time, let's discover together. The content provided in this podcast provides general information and discussions on various topics related to health, wellness, and medical advancements. However, it is essential to understand that the content provided in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The hosts, guests, and contributors are individuals sharing their personal experiences, opinions, and knowledge in their respective fields. While they strive to provide accurate, up-to-date information, medical knowledge is constantly evolving and the information presented in this podcast may not always reflect the most current research and medical guidelines. It is crucial to consult with a qualified healthcare professional or medical expert for specific medical concerns. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking medical treatment based on the information presented in this podcast. The Discovery Doc Podcast encourages listeners to use their own judgment and discretion while implementing any suggestions, recommendations, or lifestyle changes discussed in this episode. Each individual's medical situation is unique and may work for one, may not be suitable or safe for another. The podcast hosts, guests, and contributors are not liable for any direct, indirect, consequential, or incidental damages or harm that may arise from listening or acting upon the information provided in this podcast. Listeners are responsible for their own health decisions and should exercise caution and seek professional guidance when necessary. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that you have read, understood, and agreed to this medical disclaimer. If you have any questions or concerns about this medical disclaimer, please consult a qualified healthcare professional.